welcome to Dodger Stadium. Along with Chuck Thompson, this is Bob Fred saying game two is coming in from Los Angeles in the 1966 World Series. Brought to you by Chrysler Corporation, makers of Plymouth, Dodge, Chrysler, Imperial, and Dodge trucks. By Gillette Techmatic, many weeks of continuous shaving. By Winston, Winston tastes good like a cigarette should. And by Carling Black Label. Why not enjoy one right now? This broadcast is authorized under broadcast rights granted by the Commissioner of Baseball solely for the entertainment of our listening audience. Any publication, rebroadcast, or other use of the description and the accounts of this game without the express consent of the Commissioner of Baseball is prohibited. Another brilliant, sunshiny day here in Los Angeles, California, and an anticipated sellout throng that will go up very close to the mark of 55,941 that sat in on yesterday's game and saw, of course, Baltimore take a one nothing edge in the series, winning the game 5-2. But it's a horse of a different color, as they say, because Mr. Sandy Koufax, who's the man the Dodgers sent out there today, and, of course, he has, uh, without any question, an awful lot of uh, things going for him. Mainly like a left arm, 27 season victories. He doesn't frighten. He knows what it is to be in a World Series. He knows what it is to be a clutch performer. And it'll be interesting to see how he'll handle Baltimore, or they him, this afternoon. Chuck Thompson, the voice of the Baltimore Orioles, here to my left, will be doing the play-by-play with us. And Chuck, I suppose, like many, you've had your ideas about how the games, uh, game yesterday could have gone. I think most observers are generally agreed that in the second inning, following Lefevre's home run with Baltimore ahead, Parker gets the double, Gilliam the lock, Roseboro makes the valiant try for extra bases, and Young Snyder takes it away from him, which, of course, if uh, the catch is not made, the Dodgers are right back in the game, and they're kind of a game at that time. Exactly, Bob, and good afternoon. And uh, in talking about the second game of the 1966 World Series, uh, Bob, I think I am more anxious to see this World Series game than any World Series game I have ever been associated with in the past. The simple reason being that, believe it or not, Bob, I am seeing Sandy Koufax in person this afternoon for the very first time in my life in competition. I have seen this great left-hander in spring training when he, well, let's face it, would just lob the ball to loosen up a little bit. I have seen him on television, but this afternoon I look at him in person. Uh, a man who has been just unbelievably great in National League competition, who has a 4-2 and two World Series record. If he wins today, Bob, he'll tie the record for the most series wins by a National League pitcher shared by Jack Coombs, Mordecai Brown, and Christy Matthewson. He also has 18 and two-third scoreless innings, a streak of 18 and two-third scoreless innings in series play. Now, the record is by an American League left-hander, Whitey Ford, who hung up a series streak of 33 and two-third innings. Against the seemingly invincible Sandy Koufax, Baltimore this afternoon will bring out a young man who was born in New York City, who was raised in Los Angeles and educated in Scottsdale, Arizona, a young man by the name of Jim Palmer. I would not begin to compare Palmer and Colfax. The only information we can give you on Jim Palmer is this, that if this young man this afternoon is able to throw strikes, we are in for one of the most interesting pitching battles in recent series history. There can be no doubt about the fact that Jim Palmer is the hardest-throwing pitcher on the Orioles staff. 
He has a fine fastball, a good curveball, and if he does get in trouble, it is always the same thing, control. So, Bob, if he can throw strikes this afternoon, the battle between Jim Palmer and Sandy Koufax might have people talking for a long time. Very possible, and might be here for quite a while with nothing but zeros up on that board because Mr. Koufax knows what it is to get one run and then cling tenaciously to it. And one thing that all great pitchers do, and Koufax is certainly in that category, not only great, he perhaps is a superstar. If he gets in front of you uh, about the fourth or fifth inning, then you're going to see more of Koufax than you saw before because uh, he just keeps bearing down, bearing down, and bearing down. It'll be quite interesting, too, to see how Koufax will pitch to Kurt Bleffery and the Boog Powell. He uh, seems to somehow or other have an aversion to throw his breaking stuff to left-hand batters. And uh, comes with his overhand fastball in those situations. At least he did uh, this past season in the National League. But uh, I think, of course, the psychological advantage must now rest surely with the Baltimore Ball Club. Knowing the worst that can happen, they can go home even in the series and free at home. Whereas the Dodgers before, like last year, and Harry Walker pointed this out to all of us, uh, with Jim Simpson on his show that last year when the Dodgers lost the first two, they lost to Minnesota, came home to play three. Uh, if they're to lose this game here this afternoon, then go to the Birch Park in Baltimore for three over there, it will make quite a difference. It certainly could make all the difference in the world. And speaking of the spark and the, the help that the victory gave the Orioles yesterday, after it was all over and after it settled down, it was not a rather uproarious clubhouse. Uh, I think a lot of the Baltimore newsmen and uh, people who have been with this club all year expected perhaps that it might, uh, there might be a good deal more excitement in the clubhouse yesterday afternoon. Such was not the case. And I guess manager Hank Bauer summed it up best of all when he said that's just one game. And that's the way you have to play this series, one game at a time. Uh, Sandy Koufax this afternoon for the Orioles presents a tremendous challenge. It will be, as you pointed out, Bob Prince, very interesting to see how he works to Powell and Bleffery. It will also be very interesting to see how he works to Frank Robinson and to Brooks Robinson. Now, we asked Brooks Robinson how he fared against uh, Sandy Koufax, and he said, well, about like most of them do, I guess, Chuck. I've had uh, hits off him the last two times I've faced him in all-star games. I said, well, you're trying to tell me, like, you get a hit a year. Is that it? He said, that's about the way it goes. And Koufax, when inquired about how he works out against Frank Robinson, said, sometimes yes, and sometimes no. Yes, and as is the case, there's always a great, great quote that comes out of World Series times, and I think Frank Robinson's quote in today's paper was a dandy. A reporter asked him how he hit against Koufax, and Robinson said, right-handed. Well, Bob, in the background, they can hear the public address announcer introducing the starting lineup for the Baltimore Orioles, and I guess that'd be a good idea if we get to it right now. It changes today, and Koufax always changes ball games. Leading off will be Aparicio at shortstop. Batting number two, the left-handed swinging left fielder, Kurt Bleffery. Batting three will be the right fielder, Frank Robinson, whose two-run home run in the first inning yesterday really sparked the Orioles and took a tremendous amount of pressure off some of the Oriole youngsters and first-year men. Frank will be followed by Brooks Robinson at third base. Then batting in the number five spot will be the left-hand swinging Boog Powell, Baltimore first baseman. One of the happiest men in the American League these days will bat right behind Powell, a youngster who in his first World Series game had two base hits yesterday, Baltimore second baseman Davey Johnson. The bottom three in the Baltimore order will be center fielder, right-hand batting Paul Blair, and we'll tell you a little bit more about Paul as the game progresses. 
Batting eight will be Andy Echevarren, rookie Baltimore catcher who conducted himself in an outstanding fashion yesterday, a native of California, and the introduction on pitcher Jim Palmer. And, Bob, I'm not so sure of the significance of this, but Jim Palmer is warming out in the bullpen. Sandy Koufax is warming in front of his dugout. A big hand goes up for the rest of the Baltimore Orioles squad. And along those lines, one very brief comment before you introduce the Dodgers. Manager Hank Bauer has repeatedly said this year that every man on this roster has made a contribution, and he can back it up in black and white. They really have. Bob? They certainly have, Chuck. Uh, the significance to uh, Palmer warming in the Baltimore bullpen could conceivably be that they have a pitching mound there. Whereas here, in front of the dugouts, they're pitching off a flat surface, and conceivably uh, Palmer is electing to get used to it because McNally did... Uh, state that the high slope on the Dodger mound here bothered him a little bit and caused him to throw the ball a little higher than he normally would. Now, moving into the Dodger lineup is Maury Wells, the shortstop, and Junior Gilliam will bat in the number two spot and uh, play at third base. There's been really only one basic change in the Dodger lineup, as is the case as Chuck just told you about Baltimore. Willie Davis will play center field and bat in the number three spot. And now moving into right field will be a very fine outfielder, Ron Fairley, a left-hand batter, and batting in the number four spot. And you can hear from the applause uh, that he is quite a local favorite. Jim Lefevre, that hard-nosed little second baseman for the Dodgers, is batting number five, playing second base. Now Johnson, Lou Johnson, has moved from right field into left field as Tommy Davis has been benched against Palmer. Left fielder Lou Johnson will bat in the number six spot. One of the heady catchers of the game and a man who is quoted by many, and of course, Koufax says it mostly, I have never had such rapport with a catcher in my life as I have with Roseboro. I just don't ever shake him off. What he calls for is the one that I thought I wanted to throw anyhow. So Roseboro bats seventh and catches. Wes Parker will be in the number eight spot for the Dodgers and playing at first. And on the mound, that superstar who truly does belong in a, another league, some league higher than this one. His name is Sandy Koufax. You'll hear the roar. struggled to win 27, Chuck. I wonder what he would have done if he'd have had a real good live flipper. I don't know whether this is a parallel that can honestly be made or not, but the Koufax is just a, is a, it's miraculous the way he can throw with the arm that he has. I think a parallel could be Mickey Mantle. How can he run? Can he swing with the numerous injuries he's had? And now, ladies and gentlemen, from the Dodgers Stadium in Los Angeles, California, our national anthem.
be back with more pregame color from Dodger Stadium on the second game of the 1966 World Series right after this message. Like your cigarette should. Make your cigarette Winston. Winston. Before Sandy Koufax takes the mound for the second game of the 1966 World Series between the Dodgers and the Orioles, we pause 10 seconds for station identification. Saratoga, the authentic fishy behind the yellow label. The only mixer we know of that people built a city just to be near. WGY, WGFM, Schenectady. The uh, umpires for game number two will be aligned in the following manner at the plate from the American League will be Nestor Shylak, and uh, I have to pause now because one of baseball's greats, and I know what I say when I say great, Casey Stengel has just thrown out the first ball preceding game number two. Nestor Shylak is the American League representative at home plate today with Chris Pelicutis at first base. The second base umpire from the American League is John Rice. The third base umpire from the National League is Mel Steiner. Down the left field foul line from the American League is Cal Drummond. And on the right field line from the National League is Bill Jakowski. Well, that takes care of just about everything. Kofax completing his final tune-up tosses. Aparicio will be stepping in. And believe me, it is with a great deal of pleasure that we bring to the microphone the voice of the Pittsburgh Pirates, the gunner himself, Bob Prince. Thank you very much, uh, Chuck Thompson. Uh, real pleasure, too, to be here with you again and with Jim Simpson, who's been helping out tremendously. And I'm looking at a statistic that uh, Alan Roth, who for many years was the Dodger statistician, sent over. And I'm wondering if it was with some sort of a gleam in his eye that he remembered the years of Dodgerdom as against uh, now working, of course, for NBC Sports when he points out that Sandy Koufax had 27 complete games in 1966, whereas the entire Baltimore staff only had 23. That is a statistic that is something. A little later on when we get the chance, and Chuck Thompson will have to fill you in on it, a near tragedy occurred to Mo Drabowski. And uh, we'll talk about it. Aparicio is in, and he takes us back. Aparicio went 0 for 5 in game 1 yesterday, but drove in a run on an infield out. Coaching at first for Baltimore, Gene Whitling, Billy Hunter over at third. It is 3.30 down both lines, 4.10 straight out. Brilliant, sunshiny day. Gilliam is up tight at third. Pitch from Kopax, the curveball in there, strike two foul. Gilliam now, with two strikes to Aparicio, deepens his position at third. They have Wills at short, Lefevre at second, and West Parker at first. Wasted his fastball, low and away, ball one. Lou Johnson in left field, Willie Davis in center, Ron Fairley in right. The game the Dodgers know they must win. One ball, two strikes. 
Uh, Baruchel swings on the curve, bounces wide a third, and backhanded by Maury Wills, makes a strong throw, but he doesn't get him. Gilliam over to try to cut it off, could not. Wills went into the hole, came up beautifully on a backhand throw, and Aparicio legs it out for an infield single. Kurt Bleffery standing in now. He was one for three in the first game. Batting in the number two spot. Both teams have made just one change due to the pitching situation. Ron Fairley going into right. Johnson moving to left with Palmer pitching. Bleffery hits a high pop in the shallow center. Willie Davis goes loping up and gets under one out. Bleffery flies out to shallow center field. Now the right fielder, Frank Robinson in. Two for five yesterday. A hit a home run, his second series homer, having already done so in 1961 against the Yankees, while a member of the Reds. Drove in two very big runs for Baltimore. There's one out here in the top half of the first. Aparicio, an infield single to the hole at short. And now Frank Robinson in. The outfield over shifting way around to the left. They gap him in right center and fairly gives him 90 feet of the right field line. On deck batter will be Brooks Robinson. Kopak checks and they're running. The throw goes to first base. Parker on in the wheel. They got it. It is to be presumed whenever the Baltimore Ball Club gets a chance to run on Kopak, they will, because he is not known to have a very good pickoff move. In this case, he went right on to Parker, and Parker right into Wills for the out. Robinson takes a strike, going on. Aparicio, of course, a very daring base runner and a very successful one down through the years. No balls, one strike. Mike swinging, that time Sandy took a little off his curveball. Chuck said yesterday we could spend hour upon hour telling you about all the records this great Kofax has put up. He's had exactly 110 strikeout games during his major league career. A ball up and in, one ball and two strikes. He had 15 strikeouts against the Yankees in 1963 in a World Series, so he, he can bring it to you. Foul back by Robinson, one and two. We get the proper break just in case you might have missed it. Moe Dabrowski was rather badly burned on his left arm last night, and Chuck will be able to fill in on it more as he is at the hotel where the Baltimore club is quartered here in Los Angeles. One ball, two strikes. Robinson hits a high fly to left field. Johnson coming over to get under it and makes the play to the tire to side. No runs, one hit, no errors, and nobody left. And we go now to the Dodger first inning here. No score. Now, a false salute to the world. We're in the home of a man with a most unusual hobby. Mr. Wilbers, you collect air cans, beer cans. Uh, uh, tell us about them. Well, here's what we call a first day can. Picked it up in Atlanta the first day the Carling Black Label Brewery opened up there. And uh, this one? Priceless, another Black Label can from that Phoenix Brewery. The ring tab is on the bottom instead of the top. I see. Uh, <laughs> sort of a pop-bottom can. <laughs> Here, Black Label Camp in that Baltimore brewery. Look, brewed and filled in Baltimore. Baltimore, L instead of R, you see. Mistake, very rare. Yes. <laughs> Here's a match block of six from Carling's Tacoma Brewery. Beautiful, isn't it? Uh, it uh, looks like a six-pack to me. Match block of Tacoma. The showman offered me $90 for these. 
I, I noticed, Mr. Wilbers, your whole collection seems to be Carling Black Label cans. Ah, we collectors are only human. After all, I do drink all this beer. And what does Mrs. Wilbers think about your collection? She won't dust them. Ready now to move into the Dodger first inning. And young Jim Palmer, the flame-throwing right-hander that Chuck was talking to you about at the end, and he'll go to Maury Wells, who was in this in free at match yesterday. A switch batter. Again, the Dodgers present the only all-switch hitting infield in baseball. And Wells leads it off. Palmer started him off with a fastball that Wells took with a strike. Palmer was 15 and 10 in 1966, leading the Baltimore staff in wins. He turned that one over, and it just turned outside a little on him, one and one. One ball, one strike. Third baseman Brooks Robinson up tight at third. He punted and foul tipped, and that one caught freedom for Nestor Shylock. A ball and two strikes. Brooks Robinson at third base, Luis Aparicio at short. Johnson at second, Boog Powell at first, Kirk Bluffery in left field, Paul Blair in center, and Frank Robinson in right. Coaching is Preston Gomez at third, and uh, Danny Ozark at first for the Dodgers. Palmer, one ball, two strike pitch, one hopper back there, knocks it down. Now throws, throws low, but Boog Powell holds. There you see, Chuck Thompson, one of the things that National League opponents have had to worry about a little bit. They realize with the great Dodgers' speed, a slight bubble, and you've got to come up fast. And, of course, too, sometimes when you do come up fast that way, you hurry yourself into an error. Very true. Palmer came out of it. I think he is all right. He was kind of shaking his right hand just a little bit. And, Bob, uh, before we get any deeper in the ball game, about Mo Drabowski, it was a minor sort of an accident. At the hotel this morning, a big pot full of hot coffee was spilled, both over the boy carrying and over the arm, left arm of Mo Drabowski, between the wrist and the left elbow. He has been uh, treated by the Oriole trainer, Eddie Wiedner. Uh, is a little uncomfortable, but... When rested, we'll be able to see service without too much difficulty. Palmer had a couple of practice pitches, Bob. Apparently, is all right. Here we go. So now, switch batting junior Gilliam is in. 0 for 2 yesterday. Drove in a run, however. The left-hander pops it up into the air toward Aparicio at short. Luis goes back, shades his eyes, gets under, two down. And uh, the indication on the first two batters is that Palmer's fastball is live. He's either going to make you hit him into the ground or pop him up. That means that ball's moving. Not only velocity in toward the plate, but doing something. Willie Davis, notorious first bat, uh, time up for a swing, does and fouls to the left. Willie had a one for four situation yesterday. One strike to the left-hand batting center fielder, Willie Davis. No score. Change up, up and in for a ball, one and one. Palmer had some home run problems. Gopher balls, they call them in the pitcher's uh, language. Had considerable trouble early, giving up 13 homers in his first 14 starts. But then began to control that tendency, yielding only eight in his last 16 starts. A ball inside, two balls a strike. Two balls, one strike. 
No score. Two out and on. Dodger first inning. There's a fastball he brought to him, and Willie Davis fouled it back. Ball two, spec two. 3.30 down both lines. Then it goes to 3.80, 3.90, and 4.10. Everything very equidistant in exactly one of the most beautiful baseball parks in the nation. Ball two, strike two, pitch. Took him out swinging, and he put that baby right into his wheelhouse, as they call it, and threw it by him. So it's three up and three down for the Dodgers. And at the end of one, there is no score. And now, here's our favorite umpire, Nick Prone, with another anecdote. A particular first baseman in our league has what we call an early foot. He is also over-friendly. One day he greets me with, uh, say, um, how may I ask is your dear mother? My mother was fine, I answer. And she told me to tell you to keep your foot on the bag. He does not face. He tries again with, uh, they say you discovered a terrific new razor. They say, right, I reply. It is just on the market, the Gillette Techmatic. It ends blade handling forever. Six super stainless steel shaving edges are coiled and sealed inside a cartridge, like film in a camera. Each edge lasts about a week. Flip a lever and a new edge locks in place. The Gillette Techmatic is very sharp against the beard, but very, very light against the skin. Try it. Well, next road trip he greets me with, Hey, ump. The Gillette Techmatic is the lightest touch in shaving. You were right. Early foot, I rejoined her. I am never wrong. Into the Baltimore second inning of a scoreless ball game, Brooks Robinson leads it off, playing at third, and he takes a tailing delivery on the outside corner for a strike. Brooks homered yesterday, going one for five, and of course picked up an RBI. Nothing in one. High pop. It looks like Gilliam will field it in foul territory, although Roseboro is over there and calls him off and makes the catch right in front of him. So Brooks Robinson is out on a top foul down the left field or down the third base line. Now Brook Powell standing in. He went one for five yesterday, but he got more mileage out of tearing first base apart than he did anything else. As he ran by it, he skidded it one way, broke all the moorings loose, and did a took a header and got up and moved into second for a double. There's a curve for a strike. He got a lot of kidding in the past half of the game, too. The players are saying that's the only time I ever saw a fellow slide twice in a two-base hit. <laughs> no ball, one strike. Kopax, another curveball, strike ball, 0-2. So Kopax has given early indication that he'll work his curveball to the left-hand hitting Booth Powell. In the National League, when he would go to Matthews and others, uh, many times he just gave him that overhand fastball. He did then. He just missed with it outside. A ball and two strikes. One out, none on. Baltimore, second inning. No score. One-two pitch. Struck him out. Nope, it was foul tipped and not held. So, Luke Powell has life at the plate. American League umpires traditionally behind the plate wear the outside chest protector, whereas the National League using the inside chest protector. Kopax getting the sign from Roseboro, wasting no time. One-two delivery, a curveball hit deep into right field. Ron Fairley drifting back near the warning track, down toward the right field line, gets there for the out. some pretty good wood to that, but not quite all of the sweet spot he wanted. And going back in front of the 330 mark, Ron fairly hauled it in. 
Now, Dave Johnson, the second baseman who sparkled in the field for Baltimore yesterday and who had a very wonderful day at the plate, two for four. Batting in the number six spot, playing at second base, standing him. He's a right-hand batter. Dodger outfield over, shifting to the left. Last ball strikes at the knees. It was called. On deck, center fielder Paul Blair. Here's the 0-1 delivery, and this one is in there. Strike two call. And Kofax, in turning that one over, had that ball running away from the right-hand batter, picking up the outside corner. Nothing and two to count. Two down and on, no score in the second. The curveball, and that's beat foul over past Billy Hunter into the Dodger dugout. Dodger dugout at Dodger Stadium located on the third base side. And, of course, Baltimore on the first base side. Nothing and two with two down here in the top half of the second inning. Now the 0-2 pitch. He let up on it, and he hits a little popper into right center. Going back is Lefevre getting out there and makes the play. Davison fairly had no play on the ball. But Lefevre scampered back quickly and got under. And that retires the side. Three up and three down. And we go now into the bottom of the second inning. Baltimore and the Dodgers are scoring. This is Joe Garagiola. Your Chrysler Plymouth dealer has a free gift waiting for you that should make the 1966 World Series even more enjoyable. It's my World Series scorebook, which contains fun, facts, and score sheets for as many as seven games. We honestly feel that it's something different. Besides keeping score in this book, you can find out why the flags on the grandstand, the chalk on the foul line, can both be important to a World Series team. You'll read about the player who publicly predicted before the series that his team would lose. And you'll also get some tips that will enable you to look ahead to how certain plays might work out. It's absolutely free at your Chrysler Plymouth dealer. All part of his service for you called customer care. It's a way of doing business that puts the customer first. Pick up a free copy of Joe Garagiola's World Series Scorebook at your Chrysler Plymouth dealers. It's something I think you'll want to keep even after the series is over. They have just put an announcement on the fanogram here. Pleased to have with us today guests of Commissioner Eckert, astronauts Lieutenant Colonel Ed White, Lieutenant Colonel Gus Grissom, Lieutenant Commander Roger Chafee. Lieutenant Colonel White was the first man to walk in space. And then they said, a base on balls the hard way. And you can see the mind of one Red Patterson there working that one out. Ron Fairley, the right fielder, batting in the number four spot, a left-hand batter. Dodgers have him as a very fine clutch man, a good outfielder, and knocking some very big runs for them. He takes inside from Palmer a ball. Baltimore playing it outside. Here's the 1-0 pitch, and it's in there on the corner, one and one. And Fairley doesn't like it. Sandy Kopax has delivered 20 pitches in two innings, and only two of them were called balls. For quite a while this year, he averaged just under 90 pitches per game. 1-1, one, one, underneath the knees, called the ball, 2-1. Young Palmer will not be 21 years of age until the 15th of October. Two balls a strike. And it's ball three. He might not be old enough, Chuck, to be, to be alert, aware of the fact that he could be frightened. Maybe he just isn't old enough to know any better yet, huh? He was a big, big man for Baltimore. Three balls a strike to Ron Fairley. He walked in. 
draws a leadoff walk for the Dodgers here in the second of a scoreless game. And Jim Lefevre, who had a home run yesterday uh, in three official trips, batting left-handed. The number five batter in the Dodger batting order, playing at second base. They play him straight out. Ron Fairley, medium speed, the runner's first. Fly ball lifted down the left field line. It's going to slice out of here foul. A very gaily bedecked Dodger Stadium with the bunning all over the uh, railings and all. Beautiful. Nothing in one. Ron Fairley, the runner at first, held by Boog Powell. That's, this gives uh, Lefebvre a little bit of a hole at uh, the right side of the diamond as Johnson's playing over a little to his right. Palmer works to him, and the ball is punted foul. 0-2. Lefebvre appeared that time to give that bunt away, turning around uh, just enough that Palmer moved that ball in on him and came right off the mound over toward first, and quickly. In his high school days, Jim Palmer quite an athlete, and early in his baseball career, scouts were not too certain as to whether they thought he might be an outfielder or a pitcher, so he's agile on the mound. No balls, two strikes. Pitcher can win a lot of games uh, with his glove. The 2 delivery, left up on it, sends it into the dirt low. Echebarren blocking it nicely. A ball and two strikes. One and two. No score. We're in the bottom of the second. Ron Fairley at first on a walk. That came out swinging. He changed up on him beautifully. Boy, he came in with a great overhand change curveball. That's the second strikeout for Palmer. Now, here's Sweet Lou Johnson. Went over three yesterday. Youngster spent a long time in the minor leagues, as Chuck and I discussed with you yesterday, and he uh, he's happy to be right where he is. He came to play. The outfield swings to the left on him. Fairly short lead at first. Palmer checks and delivers. And has a first to the right for the base hit. Hit off the end of the bat. Fairly to run second on his way to third. And the ball is picked up by Robinson and dropped on his knees and into uh, second base. On the play goes Johnson. It looked as though... Dave Johnson dropped off the ball, thinking that Robinson was going to make the play on it. And then Robinson delayed, thinking that he was. And the result was, when Frank came up with it, he slipped and went down, and it will be ruled a double. So the Dodgers get their first hit in the, uh, the ball game, and the catcher is Johnny Roseboro, 0 for 4 yesterday. And a very typical Dodger rally in the making. A base on balls and a bloop off the end of the bat. <laughs> this is not said now in derision or in any way. This is a typical Dodger rally. And they did it so many times over the season that you know they play for it. Baltimore infield is up to Roseboro. My ball hit up back uh, short. Aparicio dropping back. He makes the catch, and it's two down. And that time, Mr. Palmer really jammed Roseboro. Did he put it in on that bat handle? Now, Wes Parker standing in. One for five yesterday, a double. And we'll see how manager Bauer elects to uh, handle this situation. Aparicio now talking with young Palmer. Baron 
standing there as though that's what they'll do. They'll walk him to get the Kopax. At one time, Chuck Thompson, Sandy Kopax was a switch hitter. And he got up there, batting left-handed once, and was jammed with a pitch and this occasion, then, the, the blister on his finger, and he felt that that had a lot to do with the problems that he had uh, later on. So he practiced switch hitting today. We'll see whether or not he's going to go up there, because naturally batting left-handed, he puts with the money hand right up there where he doesn't want it.
Danny getting the sign now from catcher Johnny Roseboro. It's obvious his left arm is about three inches shorter than his right. There's a check on the pitch, and he picks it up high for a ball. Sandy questioning a little bit, thinking perhaps he not only had the strike zone, but surely a little better than a half swing. One ball, no strike. That was a good swing, and he didn't get the ball one and one. One ball, one strike. One out, none on, and we are in the top half of the third. 
Gilliam, the on-deck batter, with Willie Davis to follow. There is no score in the bottom of the third at Dodger Stadium. Palmer working. Spike is called. Good on. Some of the fans are not umpiring quite as much as Mr. Shalak behind the plate, as you can hear in the background. A strike is a strike to the batter uh, under a lot of different ways. There is the ball, bunted foul. Etcheberry picked it up very quickly. 2-2. He had a play on him had it remained fair. But if a batter of any stature gets in there and then crouches way over, a pitch could actually be up around his head and be a strike. Two balls, two strikes, no score. Dodgers batting in the bottom of the third. Young Jim Palmer working to Maury Wills. This is, of course, the spot right here where he wants the decision if he can get it favorably on a 2-2 pitch. And here it comes. Line down the left line, slicing a foul. 2-2. As we all discussed yesterday, the Baltimore outfield employs what was at one time known as the Richie Ashburn shift. The left fielder, Bleffery, is practically in foul territory, and Blair is way over. The right fielder, Robinson, is a good hundred feet or more off the right field line. Should Wills ever get a chance on a pitcher's mistake to pull one down the right field line, there would be some red faces somewhere, because there's nobody out there to go get the ball. Two balls, two strikes. Gets it down towards second base. Davey Johnson is up and on to Boog Powell, and there's one out in the Dodger third. Here's Junior Gilliam now. Gilliam the short in the first inning. Might explain as we did yesterday, you perhaps hear what sounds like an echo. Dodger baseball fans have been accustomed to listening to their great voice of the Dodgers, Vin Scully, and they bring uh, their transistor radios, and of course they all just create a one big buildup. And you hear yourself uh, coming back at you all the time as they uh, watch the game and pick up interesting sidelights from Vinny during the regular season. There's a spec call on one. No balls, one strike. And this uh, ball was a little fast and outside. He turned it over. One and one. Of significance, you might notice in this game, if Wills gets aboard and Gilliam to follow in the right situation, some rather tremendous baseball, a good fastball to the inside corner, call strike two, one and two. Or if Wills gets on and Gilliam is the next man, you'll see some terpsichore out there. One ball, two strikes. His curveball missed a little bit. Palmer didn't like it that time. Two balls, two strikes. No score, one out and none on in the Dodger third. Junior Gilliam, switch batting, up there left-handed. Now the 2-2 pitch, bounced on a big chop toward short, big chest-high hop for Aparicio, low throw, but held by Boog Powell. Willie Davis. Now Willie Davis. Standing in, Willie struck out in the first inning. Each side in with a base hit, a bloop double by the Dodgers' Lou Johnson, an infield single by Baltimore's Luis Aparicio. That's it. The Dodgers mounted the most serious threat in the second with runners at second and third and one out, 
but Palmer pitched out of it. Foul coming straight back, and there's that first pitch swing by Willie Davis. No balls, one strike. The outfield playing Willie straight away. The 0-1 delivery, uh, he turned that one over and sent it outside like a screwball, low and away, one ball, one strike. Two down in the Dodger third. Now the 1-1 from Palmer. Swinging a foul, and he took a little off the curveball that time, and Willie Davis got out in front of it, bouncing a foul behind the plate umpire. A ball and two strikes. two delivery up high for a ball two two it would be interesting to pick the brains of the collective pitching staffs of the Baltimore pitchers and then the Dodger pitchers Baltimore pitchers can go out every day figuring that over the season they probably are going to have about five runs going for them before the game is over swing and a miss he stuck him out and that'll retire the side on his third strikeout three up and three down at the end of three innings Baltimore nothing Los Angeles nothing Say, I want to ask you something. Are you willing to accept a challenge? A challenge from Gillette? Well, if you are, here's all you have to do. Go out and buy a pack of Gillette Super Stainless Blades. Put one of the blades into your razor and then shave with it. Sound easy enough? Sure, because that's not the challenge. The challenge is to try and go back to your old way of shaving after that. And frankly, man, you just won't be able to do it. Because you'll be spoiled by this new blade. You see, the Gillette Super Stainless is more than just a new razor blade. It's a whole new way of shaving because there's a miracle plastic coating baked onto the cutting edge, a coating that actually reduces the pull when you shave. This blade is invented and patented by Gillette. We call this blade the spoiler because once you try it, you'll be completely and unequivocally spoiled. Are you game enough to try it? Just ask for the spoiler, alias the Gillette Super stainless. Baltimore now turns their lineup around and comes up for the second time with Aparicio, who had the infield single in the hole at short in the first, and then was cut down from Kopach to Parker to Wills. Luis is a right-hand batter. They play him rather shallow, straight out in center field. Swings and he fouls back. Looks like he was just trying to punch that one. Continuing with the thought of a moment before, the Baltimore pitchers know that basically on a day-in, day-out situation, they can look for four or five runs from somebody on their club. There's a high pop, and that ball was moving, and it's going to be up near the mound, and coming up in between the mound and the catcher, Roseboro, is Gilliam to make a fair ball catch. Pop to third, one away. It'll bring up Bluffery. Now then, consider that over the season, all of the Dodger pitchers have to figure out how they're going to protect the one run they're going to get. So that has been, of course, one of the great, great things about the Dodger Ball Club. They're fine defense. You make the error, they take advantage of it, and they're very superb pitching. Bluffery takes it low and away, ball one. Fly to center field his first time up. 
We are in the top of the fourth, one out, none on. No score, Baltimore and Los Angeles in game two. A change curve, and it stayed a little high. Two balls and no strikes. Now the 2-0 pitch to Bleffrey. Punched at it and hit it foul back over here to our left. Bleffrey drew 18 walks in one 11-game stretch back in July including seven and two games against the New York uh, Yankees. So it shows that, as Chuck was talking yesterday, he's got a pretty good idea where that pitch is. There is a high pop foul to the left, and I believe it will be up into the seats it is, two and two. Two balls, two strikes. One out, none on. Bluffery the batter. Frank Robinson to follow. to go. 2-2 pitch. And he uh, hits this one, Lefferie does. High into the air. Back to short. Wills drifting back on the grass. 20, 30 feet. Makes the play. Now to indicate the manner in which Kopax's ball is moving, he has fouled out Robinson to the catcher. He popped up Johnson to the second baseman. He popped up Palmer to the third baseman. And now Aparicio and Lefferie have hit little poppers. So that ball's doing something. It's just not coming straight in. She's got some high risers on it. Actually, Bob, the only fellow who hit the ball on the ground was Aparicio for his leg hit in the first inning. Everything else has been right up in the air. Yes, sir, it's moving. Here's Frank Robinson now. He took a good cut, but that ball was moving away from him. And it's 0-1. Fouling it straight back. They've overshifted around to the left on Frank. No balls, one strike. This one came in under his chin and all the way to the backstop. One and one. Robinson has been hit a few times. And when he first came into the major leagues with the Cincinnati Reds, he shut the record. That's the one thing he didn't want. He was hit more by pitchers than any man going. But he crowds the plate. You can actually hit him with a strike. One and one. If he takes it. Inside this time, ball two. Two balls and a strike. He appears to have straightened up just a little bit here from the days we have seen him when he was with Cincinnati, and it might be that uh, his reflexes have gone back just a little bit, and there wisely has moved off the plate a little. 2-1. Ball three, fastball inside, up the knees, 3-1. Kopax naturally will be a bear-down pitcher at all times, but perhaps more so against a Frank Robinson because he realized what this fellow can do with a bat. There's a foul coming back up toward our booth. Frank was hit 10 times this year by pitched balls, raising his lifetime total to 128 for 11 seasons. And that's a record I know he wishes he didn't have. Three balls, two strikes. The curve way upstairs that he walked him, and Sandy scuffles around the mound, disgusted with himself. That's the first walk that Sandy has issued. So with two down, Robinson becomes the second base runner against Kopax. And now Brooks Robinson, who fouled out to the catcher, Johnny Roseboro, stands in. There's no score. We are in the top half of the fourth inning. And Frank Robinson is now the runner. Brooks Robinson, the batter. Kopax delivers a swing and a miss. 
Brooks saw a little of that. Maybe he didn't, because Sandy might have given him that radio pitch, the one you could hear but not see, because he had something on that one. A little lob throw over to first base. Kopax checks and the pitch. He's high around the bill of the cap, a ball, 1-1. They've overshifted in the outfield. They gap Brooks Robinson in right center and give fairly uh, enough room over there where he's 90 feet off the line. One ball, one strike. Brooks fouls down the right side over to our right. One and two. There's a pretty good gap in between uh, Parker holding on the runner Robinson and Lefebvre, who's well over to his own right. And Brooks that time appeared to be trying to take advantage of that hole. He has great bat control. One ball, two strikes. Curve ball, and that was awfully close. Two-two. Two balls, two strikes. Robinson edging off first, and there's a little idle toss over. Mentioned earlier, Sandy does not have the greatest move in baseball in picking him off. I doubt if he's had much practice. There's the ball hit down toward the hole, and Gilliam bobbles the ball. And Frank Robinson turns in second base, and he's going to be stepped off as he stumbles the ball down. We'll have to tell you more about that play in a moment. And we'll have to get a ruling. And that may be forthcoming in a little while. But nonetheless, at the end of three and one-half innings, it is Baltimore nothing, Los Angeles nothing. Plymouth is at the venue over the For your Plymouth dealer, he's out to win you over for 67 with the most tempting furies ever. A new supercar, the Belvedere GTS. Beautiful all-new Valium. Your Plymouth dealer's all heart. Plymouth is out to win you over this year. Follow your heart to your Plymouth dealer today. and sports-bred Belvedere's now at your Plymouth dealers. He's got what it takes to win you over. They're still buzzing here at Dodger Stadium on that one. And the official scores have ruled an error charged to Gilliam, allowing uh, Brooks Robinson to get to first base safely. Now Frank Robinson went to second, and with Gilliam and Wills way out of position and nobody covering third, he started to go over to third and then changed his mind and... Gilliam picking up the ball, snapped the throw to the fever for the pickoff on Frank Robinson and retire the side. So that inning total will show you no runs, no hits. The first error in the World Series of 1966 and one stranded. The batter now is Ron Fairley. He walked his first time up and he takes ball two. Two balls and no strikes. In the bottom of the fourth. Barely fly ball into right center field. They have to hustle for this one. Blair is over there, though, and runs it down. 
He tried for the gap shot in between Frank Robinson and Paul Blair. Paul Blair tampering over to his left very quickly. All it in. Here is Jim Lefevre. A strikeout victim back in the second. Jim Palmer is pitching, and he and Kofax are matching zeros with each other. Fastball fell high, taken for a strike. Bob Addy of the Washington Post has just been elected national chairman of the very great Baseball Writers Association of America, and that's up on the message board. No balls, one strike. Little hopper on one uh, bounce to Palmer. He throws him out. Now Lou Johnson, who hit a double off the end of the bat into right field. Back in the second inning when the Dodgers really had their best bet riding. Bob Addy is a very wonderful writer and very widely read. A lot of people perhaps don't know it, that he is married to perhaps one of the greatest tennis players of all time in his falling bets. The outfield is around to the left of this right-hand batting Lou Johnson, getting his first series hit back in the second. Cuts a foul back overhead. Strike one. Nothing and one the count. Two down. Dodger fourth. Baltimore and Los Angeles scoreless. Armour sends him a breaking pitch to the outside. Just got outside a little too much. Does not like the ball and gets a new one from the plate umpire Nestor Shylock. A ball one, strike one count to Lou Johnson. Jim has the sign from Echeverin and the 1-1. Fly ball left center. That has some wood to it. Blair is back though and appears to have it measured in front of the 390 mark on the warning track. Hit the ball about 370 feet. But it was a big old can of corn for young Paul Blair. Three up and three down at the end of four. Baltimore nothing, Los Angeles nothing. A great new cigarette is born. A new filter cigarette whose very name stands for flavor. New Camel Filters. New Camel Filters, the one. Camel Filters. This is the one born rich. Rich in taste. With that big camel head start on flavor. Now that great camel heritage of real taste comes to you in a great new filter cigarette. No other can compare in flavor and quality to new camel filters. This is the one you'll want to try. Try camel filters, the one Contrast to yesterday's wild and woolly game, it took almost an hour and a half for the first two innings as pitching changes were made and walks and home runs and things like that occurred. Now through four innings uh, of watching Kofax and Palmer duel, neither one who wastes any time bringing it to you. Just 50 minutes had elapsed. Luke Powell flied to right field and hit the ball probably harder against Kofax in this uh, game so far than anybody. Takes a fastball outside ball and he backed it fairly up there toward the warning track in right field. 
He's backed a lot of fellas up. And then had them crane their neck a little bit and see where else it was going. A ball, 2-0. Two balls, no strikes. Outfield straightaway, very deep. Ball, three outside. Koufax missed with the breaking ball that time. And it was a harder throwing curve. And he, he hasn't been throwing that lollipop curve of his, which will turn this crowd into ecstasies uh, when he does. When he just gives you that big old dewdrop in her for a strike, uh, he really turns the fans on. 3-0 pitch. Strike call. Fast ball to knees. 3-1. Powell stepping out now, checking Billy Hunter. Third base coach for Baltimore. 3-1 delivery from Kopax. Lined out for left field, and Johnson coming on, can't get it. Falls in front of him for a base hit. That's the second hit and the first real hit off Sandy Kopax. So, Brug Powell takes Sandy to the opposite field. And now, Dave Johnson in. Uh, you mentioned that Boog going to the opposite field with Sandy Koufax one night in the Fenway Park. Boog Powell hit three home runs into the screen above the left field wall at Fenway. Well, I think there isn't a park can hold it when he gets some wood to it. Yeah. <laughs> Johnson shortened up his other bunt and takes high ball on. That brought uh, Parker from first and Gilliam from third in quickly. Gilliam remains up at third to the right-hand batting second baseman, who is 0 for 1 in this one. He bunts a pop-up, and Wes Parker is all set to catch it, and Roseboro one-hands it up over Parker's coconut. So the put-out will go to Roseboro, much to the surprise of Wes Parker. I'll bet for just a split second, Parker really panicked. You know, where is it? Where is it? Roseboro had that ice cream cone right there. Paul Blair in now. He lined to the right fielder, Ron Fairley. They'll play him to pull. He's a right-hand batter. He popped one foul out of play. Strike one. Just uh, getting in on the broadcast, there has been one real threat, and it was a Dodger threat. It occurred in the second inning when Ron Fairley walked. Johnson doubled a shallow right, with Fairley, of course, taking third. But then Palmer bore down, popped up Roseboro. They intentionally passed Parker to load the bases and popped Kopax to the second baseman, Johnson, and that was the threat, the only real threat that uh, has really been in this game. Blair swings, he misses, and... Baltimore has had just a mild one, but semi ran themselves out of it in the fourth. Four two were down when it happened, and uh, a Dodger error occurred. Blair, fly ball left center, Willie Davis, quartering against that sun, drifting off to his right. Or either loses it in the sun, and Booth Powell comes to third, and into second will go Paul Blair. I had told you he was quartering against that sun. And as he does, and looks up against the white shirts here in the upper deck above us. It is obvious from the way he played the ball that he lost it altogether. And it fell off to his left, and they will charge him with a two-base error. 
That is the second Dodger error. When you lose a ball that you have it pretty well beat it in, Chuck, and then you don't know it where it is anymore, your tendency is to get your head out of the way because you can get hit, and uh, that's just one of the breaks of the game. Bob, one of the breaks in the game yesterday was a clutch catch by Russ Snyder in the second inning of a drive hit by John Rosethorough. And in talking to Russ after the game, uh, Austin is coming to the mound right now to talk with his pitcher, Koufax, and also Mari Wills. Uh, we talked to Russ after the game, and the same thing happened to Russ that just happened a moment ago to Willie Davis. He saw it momentarily, lost it, and then picked it up again at the last moment. So it was just a fortunate break that Snyder was able to come off with that play. An unfortunate break here for Willie Davis. Well, this NBC broadcast of the World Series is the most popular sports show on the air. Each year... More viewers see the World Series than any other sports spectacle. Austin has uh, gone back to the dugout, and Andy Etchebarren will step in with Oreo runners at second and third with one out and back to Bob Prince. Hang in there, Chuck. Now let's see how the Dodgers play it. Uh, they're kind of come up halfway in their infield. Etchebarren takes high ball on. Now, there are a lot of possibilities riding here that Alston said, look, Palmer's the man due up next. The base is open. Pitch carefully to him. If you can get him to go for a bad ball and get out of it, okay. Uh, and so they bring that infield up partway, not all the way. Winging and a miss, one and one. And I'll tell you right now, Etcheberry was trying to hit that ball into right field. A great break for the Baltimore Orioles on a two-base error, sending Powell to third and Blair to second base with one away. And Koufax now has his work really cut out for him, although the game is yet scoreless. One ball, one strike. Swing and a miss, strike two, one and two. Sandy's had a lot of practice at situations like this. So he's not frightened of it, I'll guarantee you that. A ball and two strikes. Runners at second and third, one out, and the top of the fifth, the pitch to Etchebarren. High, 2-2. Two -two. Boo Powell let off with a base hit to left. Johnson trying to bunt, and he just goes to show you he wasn't successful. You don't know how things might have turned around had that uh, play occurred. And a near mix-up there by the Dodgers. 2-2 two -two pitch. Etchebarren, a fly ball into left center. Willie Davis coming up for it. Luke Powell is tagging. Willie Davis is there. And he drops the ball again. And they throw the ball to third, and it gets away from third. Flair comes around third. He'll score. And in the third goes Etchebarren. at the plate had the catch been made and the throw into the plate to Roseboro occurred. But Willie Davis might have tried to throw it before he got it. I don't know, but he dropped it. In to score Powell, coming in to score Blair with all his speed, and they had a play on him when Willie Davis picked the ball up. He then threw to third, but threw high. So it's conceivable he's going to get a double error on the play, and uh, his third error in this inning, which is a record that he doesn't want. The most errors in an inning he now owns, three in World Series play. And Baltimore leads 2-0. And there still is only one man out, and the batter is Palmer. With Etchebarren at third, 
And the infield for the Dodgers now pulls up. whether they will rule an RBI. And this is something we will have to ascertain. And that is why we have not said whether Etchebarren gets an RBI or whether it's an error all the way. And that's an official scorer's decision. Palmer takes high ball two, two and oh. We will uh, get that for you. Nonetheless, Baltimore leading two nothing on a fearful breakthrough of a Dodger error. by Willie Davis and none could feel more sorry for them than the announcers right here because we know exactly that his heart is aching. Two balls and no strikes. Etchebarren at third. The pitch to Palmer. Swing and a miss. Strike one. Two balls, one strike. To Jim Palmer. He cuts at this one and it's two and two. He popped the third base in the third inning. Etchebarren would get to first on an error and the third on another error. And there is no RBI involved. Two balls, two strikes to Palmer. Dodger infield remains up. Here's the pitch. Palmer takes high ball three. So you will score Boog Powell on the error, the first error in uh, this situation by Willie Davis, and you'll score Blair on the second error by Willie Davis, which was a throwing error, and put Etchebarren at third, striking out Jim Palmer. So there are two down. second strikeout for Kopax. The batter, Aparicio, takes a curveball strike. He's one for two. Foul back, strike two. Actually, Baltimore has received the benefit of five outs in this inning, and Kopax is struggling to get the sixth. with Echebarren at third. Two-nothing Baltimore in the top of the fifth. A curveball beat foul at the plate. No, sir, it goes without saying. Willie Davis, if he could dig a hole and get in there and hide for a while, he would, and you couldn't blame him. Nobody likes to wear horns except certain four-footed animals. And it's just one of those things where he lost the ball, I'm sure, the first time against the Sun and then dropped it after a hard run here and then had the misfortune to pick it up and throw it over the head of Gilliam. A ball inside, one and two. The official score has therefore ruled no run batted in. Three errors on the play. A ball, two strikes, Tapperish Hill. Top of the fifth. The pitch, a curve into the dirt, blocked nicely by Roseboro. He went right out and smothered that. 
Good catchers on that overhand curveball into the dirt will roll right out and smother it because they want to control the spin of that ball and which way it's going to hop. They're never certain, so they just smother it, keeping it in front of them. Ball two, strike two. Now Kopak's ready. 2-2 pitch. Foul back. Thompson, Maparicio seems to be up there just guarding the plate. Has he got a lot of bulldog in him with the bat? He is. He'll protect that plate all the time and will, for the most part, as you pointed out, try to go the other way. Ball two, strike two. Two down, two runs in. Etcheburn, the runner at third. Kopak's working. Here's the pitch. Curve ball hit sharply inside third for a base hit. Etcheburn will score. Maparicio is around first and on his way into second base with a double. Lined it inside, Gilliam, down into the corner pocket. And Baltimore leads 3-0. So we have our first run batted in in this game. And it goes to Aparicio, who is two for three. Got a curveball inside and gave it a good ride. The batter is Bleffery. Applied to center, popped to short. Kopach kicks high, and there's a high fly ball in the shallow right. Coming up for it fast, Fairley. Going back, Parker in the fever. It is Ron Fairley near the right field line, making the catch that retires the side. So for Baltimore, three runs, two hits, three Dodger errors, and one Baltimore Orioles standard. At the end of four and a half innings of play, Baltimore three, Los Angeles nothing. John Roseborough to lead off in the last half of the fifth inning. And the Dodgers uh, are again facing the problem they faced yesterday. A problem they faced many times with great success throughout the year. The problem of catch-up baseball. Roseborough popped to shortstop in the second inning. Left-handed hitter. And Palmer looks down to Etcheverry for the side. And we're ready to go to the bottom of the fifth. Pitch. Strike call. Rocks 
over the rubber. The right hand is pitched, cut on, fly ball, well hit, center field. Blair backpedaling, backpedaling, stops, looks up, and makes the catch. And we have one down, and we pause now. 30 seconds for station identification. Pure Jamaica ginger is the only kind of ginger that goes into Saratoga ginger ale. Why? To make a ginger ale that's different. One you can drink by itself, as well as a mixer. Take a sip, and it's mellow, gingery, without snapping at you. Even the bubbles are different. High-spirited, but long-lasting, and never overwhelming. The people who make Saratoga Vichy just can't bear to make a ginger ale like everybody else. WGY, WGFM, Schenectady. Chest protection of plate umpire Shylak. Glance down hit him on the leg, and he apparently is okay. One strike to West Parker. Swing and a high foul. Maybe out of play is off the third base side. Two strikes to Parker. The right hand is next offering is high and away to Parker. One ball, two strikes. Parker, a southpaw hitter, a switch hitter, and a left-hander against uh, Palmer. Center fielder Blair shades him a bit toward the alley and left center of the pitch. Breaking ball is inside, and the count, two balls, two strikes. One out and an out. to the wide and the 2-2 pitch drive for a base hit out between Powell the first baseman and Johnson the second baseman right field single for West Parker the second the base hit of the ball game for the Dodgers the first one was a broken bat double in the right field off the bat of Lou Johnson and now getting a great hand one of the greats of baseball Sandy Kopak this will be a second turn to the plate in the second he popped to the second baseman Dave Johnson the score in the last half of the fifth inning of game number two, Baltimore three, Los Angeles nothing. Powell moves into hold with the base runner Parker at first base, and Palmer is ready. First pitch to Kopak. High fly ball, headed toward right field, coming into the ball right field to Frank Robinson. Still waiting, waiting, he's got it, and that's the second out of the inning. Kopak's retired in a fly ball to shallow right. Two down now, and here is Mari Wills. And he'll take a little time getting up there in order to let Kofax get back to the dugout and maybe get the feet up. Murray Wells has bounced to the pitcher and grounded to the second baseman in two turns this afternoon. In yesterday's contest, Murray was 0 for 3, struck out twice and grounded to second, but reached twice via the base on balls. Powell now is playing about a step behind the bag to the base runner Wes Parker at first. Wills waits the first pitch. Swing ground ball to the glove side of second baseman Johnson. He's there, makes a pick up, a throw on the first in time. And that's it for Mari Wilson for the Dodgers in the fifth inning. No runs, one base hit, no bird errors, and a man is left. At the end of five, complete the score. Baltimore three, Los Angeles nothing. Here he is again with another story, our favorite umpire, Nick Prone. One night in Pittsburgh, a certain third baseman known as the Ape Man, on account of he was not a very dainty performer with the glove, lets a ground ball bounce off his chin. It raises such a lump that the next day he cannot shave. I hear of this and offer him my new Gillette Techmatic razor, which he graciously declines. 
immediately says, go feed your guide dog. Ape man, I reply, the Gillette Techmatic razor just out has the lightest touch in shaving. Six super stainless steel edges are coiled and sealed inside a cartridge, like film in a camera. Each edge lasts about a week. Then, flip a lever and a new edge locks in place. The Gillette Techmatic ends blade handling forever. Well, the ape man tries it. He gets a perfect shave from the Gillette Techmatic and does not even cut his bump. Ump, he says to me, you are a humanitarian. Ape man, I reply, say that on the field and you're out of the game. They are redressing the skin of the infield now at Dodger Stadium as the Orioles are ready to come to bat on the top of the sixth inning with Frank Robinson to lead off. And one of the nice gestures from the spectators here at the Dodger Stadium occurred a moment ago as the unfortunate Willie Davis took center field. They gave him a fine, warm welcome as he came out that way. And as Bob Prince mentioned a moment ago, no one in the world could feel any worse than does Willie for the unfortunate errors of the previous inning. Well, it'll be Frank Robinson, Brooks Robinson, Boog Powell against Sandy Koufax in the last half of the sixth inning. Frank has fly to left and walked. Five inning totals here in game number two at the end of five. The Orioles three runs on three base hits. They have not committed an error. The Dodgers no runs, two hits, and four errors. Incidentally, the Orioles led the league in the fewest errors in 1966, and that, they've done that three times in the last four years. Here is Frank Robinson. Kopax fires. Curveball drops in. Strike is called. and the count even now at one and one. Kopax to the move on the one-one to Frank Robinson. Another breaking ball high on the count two balls, one strike. Dodger outfield cut one around toward left and very deep to the power-hitting Frank Robinson. Two-one pitch. He took a fastball high and a bit outside, and the count now, three and one. Three one to Frank Robinson. Swing and a miss, strike two. And he didn't hold back a little bit. Full count, Frank. One, 3-2 to Robinson. Kopax delivers. Here's a foul ball out of play. And the count holds 3-2. and two. Frank Robinson, the first triple crown winner since Mickey Mantle won it for the Yankees in 1956. Batting average, home runs, RBIs. 3-2 pitch to Frank. High fly ball headed toward the alley right center, racing back the center field on the right fielder, still going, still going, and it'll be the right fielder. It's dropped in front of him. It dropped in front of the right fielder fairly. Frank Robinson is around second, legging for three. There isn't a throw toward third base. It comes toward the plate instead. Well, Willie Davis and Ron Fairley met on the warning track about 390 feet away. 
in the alley in deep right center, and the ball just dropped right in front of the right fielder, Ron Fairley, and bounced through, and Frank Robinson opens with a triple. Frank Robinson has opened the Oriole half of the sixth inning with a booming triple into deep right center field, and Brooks Robinson steps in. The Dodger infield now played up uh, very shallow on the first base side. A couple of steps back on the third base side. Pitch is cut on high fly ball down the first base side foul. Giving chase is Wes Parker over near the box seat railing. Reaches up and makes a dandy catch. A fine catch by Wes Parker near the box seat railing beyond the Oriole dugout on the first base side of Dodger Stadium. Good defensive play from Wes. Frank Robinson holding third on the play. And now the batter, Boo Powell, who has fly to right and single to left field. Larry Wills at short is about a step off the infield grass. Third baseman Gilliam about even with a bag, maybe a little bit deeper than that. Lefevre about two steps back off the infield grass, and Parker maybe a step beyond the bag and wide of it at first. Pitch to Powell. High. Ball one. Outfield deep and just about straight away to Booth. to the move, the one nothing pitch to Powell. High again, ball two, 2-0 two oh to move. And the 2 nothing to move, Powell. High fly ball down the left field side, fading it, maybe a foul ball will be, and now out of play. Orioles three, Dodgers nothing. We're in the top of the sixth inning of game number two. Birds captured the first game here at Dodger Stadium. Five to two yesterday afternoon. Two one to Powell. High foul ball out of play off the third base side. And the count now levels at two and two. Second hit of the day against the left-hander Koufax. And his first run batted in. And it's now Baltimore four and the Dodgers nothing. And here is Dave Johnson, who popped a second in the second inning and attempting to punt, fouled out to catcher Johnny Roseborough in the fifth. 
Parker moves into hold with a big man Powell at first base. Johnson waits. Sandy is ready. His pitch high pops out of the middle of uh, Roseboro, but he kept it around the plate, and Powell is not able to advance. Ron Paranowski is uh, throwing in the Dodger bullpen right now. Paranowski. Pitch to Dave Johnson. Swing and a foul out of play. Ball and a strike. Well, the Dodgers this afternoon with the Orioles again smash an attendance mark with 55,947. The one one to Dave Johnson. Swing and another foul out of play. to Dave Johnson. Koufax delivers. High foul again out of play behind the plate. And the count will hold. Second goes Dave Johnson, and the Birds have runners at second and third. Powell takes third, and the line single into right field off the bat of Dave Johnson. Johnson races down to second base on the throw to third that was off the mark and carom by Gilliam, but Koufax was right behind him to back up the play. Sandy, however, had no chance to make a play on Dave Johnson moving into second base. The ruling will be an error, a throwing error to the right fielder, Ron Fairley, and the Dodgers have come up with their fifth error in the game. One out, Oriole runners, second and third, Paul Blair is the batter, and they are going to give him the intentional base on balls with first base open and one down. An intentional walk to Paul Blair will now load the bases for the Dodgers the Orioles against the Dodgers and bring to the plate Andy Echevarren. Well, the most errors for one club in a nine-inning World Series game, six by three clubs, and the Dodgers now have hung up five. Bob? Three unearned runs in the fifth inning, and of course one here that'll be earned, uh, the one that uh, Robinson just scored, a ball that fell in between two outfielders that appeared to be catchable. They'll be discussing that one quite a while. Koufax can't get away from uh, five errors, and there's no question about it. That's an awful burden to have to carry around. Here now is Etchebarren with the bases loaded. Ball one is too high to Andy. Etchebarren was called out on strikes in the third inning, and then he was involved in the triple errors of the fifth inning. To 
pitch coming down to Andy. Is high again. Ball two. Bases loaded, one out. On a count of two balls, no strikes, to the right-hand batting rookie Oriole catcher, Echebarren. Kopax throws. Five, ball three. The burden of five errors, as Bob Prince pointed out, is a tremendous load for anyone to carry, even a Sandy Colfax. Three balls, no strikes. The count to Etchebarren. Blair at first, Johnson at second, Powell at third. The three-hunting pitch. Right down Broadway, and the strike is called. Etchebarren under wraps, taking all the way. pitch. Swing ground ball hit toward the third base and he's got it. The play will be to the plate. That's one out. Now on the first base. In time to get the double play. The Dodgers got it just what they wanted. The first end of the double play from Gilliam to the plate to Rosemary. Rosemary wheel to first baseman Parker to get the other end of Echebarren and the Orioles are stopped after one run in this inning on three base hits. One Dodger error. And two are left. And at the end of five and a half innings of play, the score now, Baltimore four, the Dodgers nothing. This is Joe Garagiola. If you're a man with a collection of sports books, or if you're a lady who never even bothers to look at the sports pages, I think you'll enjoy the Joe Garagiola World Series scorebook, now available absolutely free at your Chrysler Plymouth dealer. If you like to keep score during a baseball game, there are score sheets in the book for that purpose. And if you'd like to keep score but don't know how, there are very simple, and I do mean simple, instructions. There are some laughs, some tips on things to watch for, and some records, all of which should add to your enjoyment of the 1966 World Series. For millions of Americans, the World Series is fun, and the idea of this book is very simply to add to that fun. A trip to your Chrysler Plymouth dealer is a good idea anytime, especially right now for a fall checkup. Get your copy of the Joe Garagiola Fun and Facts World Series Scorebook. The Chrysler people and I both hope that it'll be something you want to keep even after the series is over. Remember, it's free. You know, college baseball is getting better every year. One reason may be found in the five summer leagues operating exclusively for college players, which provided spirited competition in various areas last summer. The major leagues contributed $75,000 to these leagues, which operate under strict NCAA regulations to protect the players' amateur standing. Chuck? Okay, Bob, here's Gilliam leading off, and Jim Palmer's first offering is a call strike one. With the very unusual and rather bizarre errors that have occurred in the game, there's a great tendency to overlook the fact that Palmer is pitching a two-hit shutout. Here's a ground ball bouncing towards second baseman Dave Johnson, a one-handed spear, the throw to first. And that's it for Gilliam. He's retired. Ground ball to second baseman, Johnson. Now the batter is Willie Davis. And the applause will drown out the lose. Willie has twice faced Jim Palmer. Both times has gone down swinging. The sportsmanship of this World Series crowd is a magnificent thing to be a part of. 
Here is Jim Palmer's first pitch to Willie. A strike is called. Now the one-strike pitch. Palmer deals. Missed inside with a breaking ball. One and one. Dodgers batting bottom of the sixth inning. Orioles four, Dodgers nothing. Palmer's next offering is low, and the count now two and one. The two-one pitch to Davis. Swinging a foul on the screen, and the count is even out two and two. side against the southpaw swings of Willie. Palmer to the move, 2-2 pitch. Ground ball popped off the first base side. Dave Johnson, the second baseman, drafts, throws on to first just in time to get Willie Davis. That ball threatened a bad hop right over the head of the Orioles' second baseman. He had to make another one-handed stab of the ball and threw him out. Two up and two down. Huh? You know, Chuck, uh, being in the league, naturally the National League, where there is a tremendous amount of great second base play, and observing the play of young Johnson out there, and of course Lefevre for the Dodgers, Johnson appears to have very excellent hands for a youngster. Looks like a real great start that position for years to come. Here is Ron Fairley. Swings in a long drive foul down the right field side and out of play, strike one. Bob, uh, that's exactly the case. The Orioles gambled on this youngster and traded away one of the fine second basemen in the American League, Jerry Adair, and put this y- youngster in there, and he never faltered. One strike. The count to Fairley. He walked and fly to center in two previous trips. The pitch. Curve ball. Strike is called. Beautiful looking pitch. the move. Breaking ball just missed. He tried the curve again. One ball, two strikes. The Dodger hits off Palmer. It had been a broken back double by Lou Johnson and a single by Parker. Pitch just inside. Two and two. are throwing in the Dodger bullpen. Fairly has stepped out, mopped the brow. Two-two pitch coming. High, ball three, full count down to the Dodger right fielder, Ron Fairley. complete the score. Baltimore 4, Los Angeles nothing. A great new filter cigarette is born. Born with the name Camel. 
New Camel Filters. New Camel Filters, the one for rich. New Camel Filters. This is the one born rich. Rich in taste. With that big camel head start on flavor. Now that great camel heritage of real taste comes to you in a great new filter cigarette. No other can compare in flavor. No other can compare in quality to new camel filters. This is the one you'll want to try. Try camel filters, the one pitching change, Ron Paranoski coming on. We'll tell you more about him and the aspects of the relieving of uh, Kopax under tenuous circumstances in one moment. Right now, we pause 30 seconds for station identification. You've grown up around here. Chances are you take Saratoga Vichy for granted. Well, don't. What you're being so blase about happens to be one of the most extraordinary natural products in all the world. People send for it from all over both for its curious taste and for that remarkably long-lived carbonation the Vichy people are always talking about. Saratoga Vichy, the only mixer we know of that people built a city just to be near. WGY, WGFM, Schenectady. Coming in for his second of serious appearance, and Chuck, this gives rise now to the fact that Walter Alston is perhaps taking... Uh, Kopak's out of the game, knowing his bullpen is sufficient to do the job he wants done, and uh, fix him again another day if the series is to go beyond four, and there are some things that we can talk about from time to time, but uh, this young man standing in here right now, Mr. Palmer, kind of riding tall on that side, isn't he? He certainly is, uh, Bob Prince, and as a hitter this afternoon, Palmer's popped a third and struck out. Now he looks at the left hand of Paranowski, into the move, and the first pitch. Curveball drops in, strike is called. Just inside Palmer, up around the letters. Kopax this afternoon went six innings, allowed six base hits, struck out two, walked two, one of those intentional, allowed one earned run. Pitch. A little bit low, and the count now, two and one. Yesterday, we saw Ron Paranowski for the final two innings, and he allowed two base hits. Didn't walk about it, didn't strike anybody out, nor did he allow a run. Strike call to Palmer. Two and two. Two balls, two strikes to Palmer. Aronofsky ready. Here's the pitch. Swing and a ground ball hit right to a third baseman, Gilliam. He gloves it, the throw on to first, and we've got the first out of the inning. And Palmer, hustling every step of the way, made it a little bit closer than we thought it would be. Now here is Aparicio with two hits and three trips this afternoon against Kopak. Looking now to Paranowski. Luis has also knocked in one of the four Oriole runs. Paranowski's pitch, strike call, covered the outer portion around the knees. Aparicio had a leg hit, an infield hit to deep short in the first inning, and a double between Gilliam and the bag at third in the fifth inning. One strike pitch coming. 
Inside low, one and one. to Aparicio outside and Louie ran the hands up the bat as if maybe he had a thought of a bunt. Took it all the way. Two balls, one strike. One out and on on. Two-one pitch to Aparicio. Swing fly ball headed out into shallow left center field. Moving on the ball, Willie Davis. Center fielder sets up under it and Willie makes the draft. Sure, I don't have to enlarge or amplify on the great burst of applause that greeted that cast. Brewer and Regan are now throwing in the Dodger bullpen. Two down and none on. Here is Kurt Bleffery, left hand swinging left fielder, against Koufax and three trips. Fly to center, pop to short, fly to right. Conversation going on around the plate. It perhaps concerns whether or not Bleffery is in or out of the box. His rear foot is right on the line. First pitch. Good curve is in. Strike call to Bleffery. Dodger outfield to Bleffery kind of spread out, guarding all the exits as if he might hit the ball to any and all fields. Paranowski deals. He missed low and outside. One ball, one strike. pitch. Breaking ball low and the count two and one. Well, they say in baseball, always expect the unexpected, but who could expect five Dodger errors, three in one inning by one man? Two-one pitch to Bleffery. Swing ground foul pumped up the first base side, speared by Gene Woodling, Oriole first base coach. Chuck, uh, what these batters would do if the game of golf hadn't been invented. They all seem to wear golf clubs now on one of the hands when they go up there to the plate. <laughs> it's only been a few years ago that that tar-stained towel came into existence, too. Pitch. Swing and a ground foul, dribbling up the first base side. Count holds two and two. And Woodling, fielding a thousand. Gene, the hitting coach of the Orioles, and he's done a great job, particularly with a lot of the youngsters on the Baltimore club. Gene feels one of the most important things you can teach a young hitter is to learn the strike zone. Two-two pitch to Bleffery. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. And the birds are three up and three down. And they're half of the seventh inning at the end of six and one-half score. Baltimore four, Los Angeles nothing. We asked the nastiest man in the world to ask some nasty questions about our beer. Uh, go ahead, nasty. What is all this eight brewery jazz? We're trying to get Carling Black Label beer into people's hands while it's still fresh and lively. Oh, don't con me. Beer's supposed to be old. Well, that depends on where it gets old. In the aging tanks, good. But in the can or in the bottle, not good. There, well, beer slowly, surely acquires an, an unbeer-like taste. Brewmasters call this taste ready. 
people call it flat. So what do you do, drink all your beer before it leaves the brewery? We brought our breweries closer to the people. This way, Black Label spends less time in warehouses and trucks. Hey, my brother drives a truck. You got something against trucks? We love trucks. We love trains. We love boats. We love planes. We just want our beer to spend less time in them. It'll taste better. Say, <laughs> when did you guys stop beating your wives? Uh, ball staff, World Series six-packs. You know, Chuck Thompson, if the Dodgers are to lose this game... And it's Baltimore 4, Dodgers nothing as we go to the bottom of the 7th. The game is not over, but should they? And then go to Baltimore, trailing uh, by two games in the World Series. They'll have a couple of things going that'll hurt them, maybe, in that they'll not be familiar with the Baltimore ballpark. But they will, for the better part of them anyhow, be quite familiar with Claude Osteen, who will pitch against them in Game 3. Very true, Bob. Here's Jim Palmer to the move on the first pitch coming down to the fever is a called strike one. And, Bob, the Orioles had more than a little difficulty with Osteen when he was in the American League. Now the one-strike pitch drives him off the dish to make the count one ball, one strike. Oriole pitching, but has kind of been downgraded for the most part around the country coming into this World Series, has now held the Dodgers scoreless for the last 12 innings. Fly ball hit down the left field side. Fading is going to be a foul ball and out of play. One ball, two strikes. One ball, two strikes to Jim Lefevre, who struck out against Jim Palmer in the second and bounced to the pitcher in the fourth inning, and the crowd now begins to get in the ball game a little bit. Palmer rocks and throws. Struck him out. Swing and a miss. Lefevre goes down. Five strikeouts for Jim Palmer. He has held the Dodgers scoreless and allowed but two hits in six and one-third innings. Over the course of the past year, the Dodgers were blanked 17 times. Shut out 17 times. Well, here's uh, Lou Johnson. He doubled into right field in the second inning. A little puffback liner out over the head of second baseman Dave Johnson. Then fly to the center fielder Blair in the fourth. Palmer's first pitch to the right-hander. Low outside, ball one. Palmer's one-nothing pitch. High ball two. Quick check of the scorecard shows there have been 17 strikeouts against the Dodgers in the two games of the series so far. Palmer ready. Strike call. Two and one the count now. And I look to the Oriole bullpen and we see Stu Miller is warming. Now a 2-1 pitch to the right-hand batting, Lou Johnson. Fouled out of play behind the plate. 2-2. Two two. Palmer's 2-2 pitch. Ground ball hits sharply toward third baseman Brooks Robinson. Comes up in a chest-high hop. The throw on to first in plenty of time to get Lou. And we've got two down. And now Jim Palmer. 
has equaled the brilliance of yesterday's reliever, Mo Drabowski, in blanking the Dodgers in six and two-third innings. Two gone in the last half of the seventh inning, and here is John Roseborough, who has popped to short and flied to center. We're waiting now for Lou Johnson to get back uh, to the Dodger dugout. He breaks into a dead run, headed back into the dugout. The young man pitching for the Orioles this afternoon will not be 21 years old until the 15th of this month. Here's a line drive base hit over the head of the first baseman foul out the right field corner. Roseboro, the first base, will hold there as Frank Robinson fields the ball in right field. And the Dodgers have picked up their third hit. Two singles and the looping double by Lou Johnson in the second inning. The score again, the Orioles four and the Dodgers nothing. With two down in the last of the seven. And now Wes Parker, who was intentionally walked in the second inning to load the bases so that Palmer could pitch to Kopax, and he got Kopax to pop out. Then Parker ripped a single to right field in the fifth inning. Powell does not hold with the runner at first. The pitch, high, ball one. pitch, swing and a foul out of play and the count evens one and one. Most pitchers using a stretch with a runner on will for the most part bring both hands down to the belt and sometimes below that before they hit the set. That is not the case with a Baltimore right-hander Palmer. His stretch stops right at chin level. Now the pitch, high fly ball left field side, backing the third baseman Brooks Robinson in foul ground, crossing over Brooke, uh, Aparicio, but Brooks Robinson in foul ground makes the catch of the pop-up to retire Parker and stop the Dodgers in the bottom of the seventh. No runs, one base hit. There were no bird errors, one man left on at the end of seven. Score, Baltimore four, Dodgers nothing. Well, I've got a message for the ladies in the audience, so will uh, all of you men uh, please tune out for a moment? Okay. Now then, ladies, uh, now that we're alone, I'd like to tell you about a new razor blade. Oh, it's not for you. It's for your husband. So why am I telling you about it? Well, because it's a chance for you to do something nice for him and for yourself, too. You see, Gillette has come out with an amazing new blade called the Gillette Super Stainless, also known as the Spoiler. It has a miracle plastic coating baked on the edge, a coating that reduces the pull when you shave. That is, when he shaves. And ladies, once a man shaves with this blade, he actually becomes spoiled. So spoiled that he can't go back to his old standard of shaving. Let's face it, ladies. When a man is happy with the shave he gets, he's happy when it comes down to breakfast, too. So if you want to spoil him and do something for yourself, too, go out and get him the spoiler. Alias, the Gillette Super Stainless. And okay, guys, you can listen again. It might be interesting, a lot of the fans listening in around the country, uh, just what uh, will the Dodgers be looking at when they come into your ballpark in Baltimore uh, for distances and things like that? Well, the distances down the foul lines in Baltimore are a good deal shorter than they are here at the Dodger Stadium. It's 309 feet down uh, the right field and the left field lines, and it'll be 410 feet straight away to center field. The fence is not the nine-foot fence that we have here. It's about seven in Baltimore. 
they will be looking at a native Californian by the name of Wally Bunker. Here is Frank Robinson to lead off for the Orioles in the top of the eighth inning of game number two with Baltimore leading the Dodgers four to nothing. 373 lifetime home runs for this fellow that in Baltimore we call Mr. Hit. Now the Dodger bullpen is activated again with Reagan and Moeller. First pitch coming on to Frank. Strike called. Baranowski. Frank this afternoon is fly to left, walked, and then tripled deep in the alley in right center field. And this one splashed in between the center fielder and the right fielder. Pitch. Inside. He steps back off the plate. One ball, one strike. And one of the very strange happenings in Oriole baseball this year was a batting tip provided to Frank Robinson by, of all people, rookie second baseman Dave Johnson. Ball outside. At batting practice one night, Dave mentioned he thought that Frank was standing farther back from the plate than he normally did. Frank checked it, and he was right, and went on from there to lead the American League. Swing and a miss. Strike two. Two and two to Frank Robinson. And the 2-2 pitch. Inside. Full count now, three and two to the Oriole right fielder. With Bird third baseman Brooks Robinson, the on-deck hitter, and Boog Powell waiting around. The left-hander Paranowski brings the arm down. The pitch is a ball for low and outside. The second time this afternoon that Frank Robinson has walked. And the first walk, of course, issued by Paranowski. Here is Brooks Robinson. He had one hit in yesterday's opening game of the series. It went all the way, a solo home run. And this afternoon, he has fouled to the catcher, reached on an error, and fouled to the third baseman. Pitch is high and outside. Ball one. Paranowski throws. Strike call. One and one now. Here's the one one to Brooks Robinson. Swing and a miss. The ball, two strikes. Robinson cut on ground ball up the third base side. It's in the hole. Base hit into left field. Frank Robinson down to second base, and he will hold there on Brooks Robinson's slashing ground single between short and third. So the Orioles in the top of the eighth inning have their leadoff hitters reach. A walk to Frank Robinson, a single by Brooks Robinson, and up to the plate now, Boog Powell. And against Sandy Koufax this afternoon, Boog Powell had two hits in three trips. Now he faces Paranowski. 
third base side of the mound, making the pick up the pitcher. No play at third base, no play at second. Throw on to first in time to get the sacrificing Boo Powell. Frank Robinson races to third, Brooks to second on the sacrifice bunt off the bat of Boo Powell. sacrificed Frank and Brooks Robinson to second and third, and now here is Dave Johnson, who has popped to second, fouled to the catcher, and singled to right field. And the Dodger infield up uh, very tight off the first base side, and a couple of steps back off the third base side. Karanowski ready to go. Pitch. Strike call. Stu Miller is throwing in the Oriole bullpen along with knuckleballing Eddie Fisher. Dave Johnson is back out calling time briefly. And now the Oriole second baseman is in and ready. One strike pitch coming. Swing, ground ball right off the pitcher's leg. Caroms off the first base side of the infield. Frank Robinson is going to score. Throw to first base is wild. Gets by Parker into the dugout. And here is Brooks Robinson coming home. And on into second base goes Dave Johnson. A ground shot off the shin of pitcher Paranowski. Caroms off the first base side of the infield. Paranowski ran it down and then threw it away by the first baseman. The Oriole dugout. And we have two more bird errors and uh, rather two more bird runs. And another Dodger error. And that will tie the record. And uh, on his way to the mound now comes Walter Alston. Frank Robinson has checked in with run number five. Brooks Robinson with run number six. That run will score on the error charged to the pitcher. Dave Johnson will pick up a run batted in on the base hit. Scoring Frank Robinson from third base. Dave also will take second base on the throwing error charged to Paranowski. Austin is on the mound with Roseboro and Paranowski, and we're going to have a pitching change right now for the Dodgers. And it's going to be Phil Regan, and while he's on his way to the mound, here's a word from Bob Prince. Well, you know, I'll tell you something. Big league baseball clubs are good citizens in their communities. In the summer just past, benefit games played by major league clubs raised $628,000 for worthy causes. Most of the money went to provide helpful, wholesome recreation for young people in overcrowded urban areas. But many other fine projects, like Boston's famed Jimmy Fund, which leads the worldwide crusade against children's leukemia, were helped too. It is significant, and certainly many words will be spoken, many words will be printed, and things said about a Dodger ball club that just literally scrambled and crawled its way into this World Series by virtually, other than their great pitching, taking advantage of your mistake. And when you made the mistake, pouring through for the runs, that gave them the victories. And in today's ballgame, unheard of, unbelievable. No question about it, but there for all to see, Chuck Thompson. Six Dodger errors, and another one could have easily been assigned had uh, they wanted to. And, of course... The unhappy news for Dodger fans is this six-era ball game, which is a stunning thing, I'm sure, and proved a lot too much for even the superb Sandy Koufax and for the Dodgers so far this afternoon. And it also will 
tie another World Series record for the most errors in a single nine-inning game by any one team, six by the L.A. Dodgers. On the mound, uh, Phil Reagan won 14 and lost one with an ERA of 1.62 over the year. And uh, the Orioles are a bit familiar with Reagan, who has been even greater than brilliant since joining the Dodgers. time, six errors occurred in a World Series game. It involved the Chicago White Sox and the New York Giants in October of 1917. Bob, I'm sure you didn't see that one. No, I really didn't. I don't think you did either. But Jim Simpson might have. Thinking back to uh, through the Orioles season, and I can recall the night when the Orioles came up with five errors in the ball game too. Uh, they are a part of the game of baseball, but to occur in the rapid fire order in which they did this afternoon with three Dodger errors in the fifth inning was a bizarre and startling happening. Here now is Paul Blair, right-hand hitting Orioles center fielder, against the right-hander Phil Regan. On at second base, Dave Johnson. Field. He reached on the one of the errors charged to Willie Davis in the fifth inning and then was intentionally walked in the sixth inning. One strike pitch to Blair. Reagan's pitch. Swing and a miss. Strike two. Two strikes to Blair. seven games in the 1965 World Series, the Dodgers made a total of six errors. Here in one game, they've equaled it. Two-strike pitch to Blair. Reagan throws. Fly ball hit out into shallow or off the third base side. Coming up on the ball is a shortstop, Wills. He's under it and makes the catch for the second out of the inning. A little bit of a pop-up to shortstop Murray Wills. Chuck, uh, you and I were talking yesterday, having worked the 1960 World Series together, the Pirates and the Yankees, and what had to be one of the wackiest of all World Series that's ever been played. But while the scores are nowhere near like that here, uh, this is giving some uh, evidence of being a little bizarre. <laughs> here is Andy Etchebarren. Looked at the third strike, reached on the area in the fifth inning, and then hit into the double play in the sixth. Dave Johnson at second base, two down. Pitch to Echevarren, swing at a foul ball. This one, Nick Grosborough on the right hand. We hope it's a glancing blow. And he's now going to massage that hand just a little bit. And if he needed a little sympathy, he's got the right fellow at the plate, the person of Echevarren. Right now, we pause 30 seconds for station identification. Your radio has not gone cuckoo. That's merely the sound of Saratoga Vichy and its long-lasting fizz. The story behind that fears is even stranger than the sound. You see, nature carbonates Saratoga Vichy, giving it a perky little fears with incredible staying power. It keeps drinks fresh far longer than club soda or any of the imitation Vichy's. Saratoga, the authentic Vichy in the yellow label. WGY, WGFM, Schenectady. nothing. 
Schaefer delivers. Missed blown away. Two balls, two strikes. Birds remember Regan when he wore the uniform of the Detroit Tigers. And the pitch. Wide of the mark. Full count now. Three and two. Underdog Baltimore Orioles invaded Dodger Stadium, beat the Dodgers 5-2 in the first game, and lead them 6-0 in the top of the eighth in game number two. Here's a ball just a little bit high. And Etchebarren walks. The second walk of the inning, and the first one charged to Reagan. And getting a well-deserved hand is Jim Palmer. Here's a young man who was faced with the task of pitching against Sandy Kulpax today. I asked Palmer if he had met Sandy. He said, no, I just met him a moment ago. He watched uh, Kulpax pitch in the Coliseum when the Dodgers played there. First pitch to Palmer. Wide of the plate, ball, and he gets right on by Roseboro back to the screen, and both runners move up a notch. Lone outside and cut by Roseboro all the way to the screen, and it's ruled a wild pitch charged to Reagan, and that advances Dave Johnson to third base and Andy Etchebarren to second base. Well, strange other happenings in Dodger Stadium this afternoon. But for the Oriole fans around the country, I would imagine they'd say beautiful, just beautiful. pitch to Palmer. Two out. Reagan throws. Swing and a foul tip held on to by Roseboro. A ball and a strike. Reagan to the wind and the 1-1 pitch. Swing and a miss. Strike two. And you'd have to say that Reagan had Palmer a little bit fooled on that one. Strike three is called. Palmer is called out of strikes, but the Orioles of Baltimore pick up two more runs on the same number of base hits, plus another Dodger error. There's six of the game to tie a World Series record, and two men are left. At the end of seven and a half innings of play, the score is Baltimore six, Los Angeles nothing. Driving Plymouth's all-new 67 Valiant. Economy never looks so luxurious. See your Plymouth dealer. He's all heart. Plymouth is out to win you over this year. new 67 Valiant is now on display at your Plymouth dealers. He'll do most anything to get you and a new Valiant together today. Well, 
Well, the Dodger pitcher is scheduled to lead off in the last half of the eighth inning. It'll not be the pitcher. It'll be Tommy Davis. Tommy Davis was 0 for 3 in the opener yesterday. And the Dodgers have now been held scoreless in the last 13 innings of the first two series games. Tommy Davis. On the mound, the tall, slender, right-handed Jim Palmer of Baltimore. First pitch to Davis. Too low on a ball. Palmer's pitch is a strike call by plate umpire Nestor Shylack. the 1-1 one -one offering to the pinch hitter, Tommy Davis. Swing fly ball headed toward the alley right center field. Frank Robinson going hard to the right is there to cut it off on the first hop, and Davis delivers as a pinch hitter with a line single toward right center. And that brings in Maury Wells, the fourth Dodger hit of the game. Single in the alley at right center off the bat of Tommy Davis. Here is Wills, 0 for 3 in this game number two, with a bounce out to the mound and twice rolled to the second baseman, Davey Johnson. The Oriole infield now shortens up a couple of steps to Mari Wills. Palmer sets and throws. Here's a pop up foul outside of third, chasing toward the Dodger dugout. Brooks Robinson can get to it out of play. Strike one to Wills. to Wills. He takes a strike two call and short up on the bat to look at it all the way. Tommy Davis opened the inning with a pinch single to right. Powell does not hold with him at first base. The set by Palmer, the two-strike pitch, swing and a foul right at the plate. Good breaking stuff from Jim Palmer. one time this year put together a streak of four consecutive victories and it just so happened that he had pancakes for breakfast to the, that day and went on to win so he kept doing that every time he pitched and the ball players now every now and then call him cakes two strike pitch coming to Wills foul ball is hit on the netting behind the plate his very lovely young bride, Susie, would call Jim Palmer on the road and remind him when it's his turn to pitch to be sure and have those pancakes. The two-strike pitch, low for a ball, and I will now add, yes, he had pancakes this morning. the count to Mari Wills. Palmer's ready. The pitch. Popped up foul. It may be out of play. Will be off the third base side. Count holding. One ball. Two strikes. Dodgers facing Jim Palmer on the last half of the eighth inning.
the Orioles six and the Dodgers nothing. ball down the third base side is just foul, just outside that bag. Waiting now for Tommy Davis to retreat to first. Oriole catcher Etcheberrin takes to the mound for a quick word with Jim Palmer. In the Oriole bullpen, a fellow the Orioles refer to as the bullet, Stu Miller, is pitching. Is warming, I should say. Now the one-two pitch. Coming down to Mari Wills. Palmer throws just low. Two balls, two strikes to Wills. Bob? Are you trying to say that he changes on a change? I guess it was Joe Garagiola who said he gives you that Wells Fargo pitch. It comes up there in easy stages. <laughs> two balls, two strikes to Wills. Palmer ready. Here's the pitch. High pop-up. Back of second base. Back goes second base with Davey Johnson. Davey Johnson staying with it, and he makes the catch. Aparicio calling the shot every step of the way. Protected Davey from collision with Blair, center fielder, and right fielder Frank Robinson coming over. One down. Wills has popped to the second baseman, Dave Johnson. I never saw him pitch in your league, Chuck, but in our league when he was with us, I saw more batter strike out of his head before he ever let go of the ball, and I did see Billy White take two swings at the pitch one time, which, of course, is illegal. I don't know how you fellas did it over in the junior league. Well, they say in our league that if he gets a stiff neck, he can't pitch. Here now is Junior Gilliam, or Jim Gilliam, rather, 0 for 3 this afternoon. Palmer throws, swinging a high fly ball down the right field side, fading foul and out of play. Souvenir coming up for some lucky fan. Strike one to Gilliam. He's popped to short, grounded to short, and rolled out to the second baseman. strike pitch. Palmer ready, here it is. Curved him, but it misses low inside. Pops away from Etchebarron on his way to second base to Davis, and he pulls in without attracting a throw. This one was in the dirt. It caromed up his leg into the air, and Etchebarron retreated and made a quick grab and realized he could throw it away if he cut loose and throw it a second, so he held on, and the ruling is a wild pitch charged to Jim Palmer. A wild pitch. Pinch hitter Davis now at second with one out. One ball, one strike to Gilliam. Great old pros, Jim Gilliam. Palmer ready, the 1-1 pitch. High foul out of play behind the plate. strike pitch to Gilliam. Curve hit in the air off into shallow left field. Back goes the shortstop of the third baseman. Brooks Robinson's calling for it. Gives away to Aparicio who makes the catch a step and foul ground to retire Gilliam. A fine running catch by Baltimore shortstop Aparicio. We have two gone in the bottom of the eighth. And here now is the unfortunate Willie Davis. And as a hitter this afternoon, Willie is 0 for 3. at the Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles this afternoon. Another new record, 55,947, exceeding yesterday's crowd by a half a dozen.
Bobby Davis at second, Willie Davis at the plate and the pitch. Fly ball well hit, deep in right center. Paul Blair going to the glove side. The Orioles center fielder now coming up on the ball is there and makes the grab in the alley in right center to retire. Willie Davis and the Dodgers in their half of the eighth inning. No runs, one base hit. There were no Oriole errors and a man left on. At the end of eight complete, the score, Baltimore six, Los Angeles nothing. A great new filter cigarette is born. Born with the name Camel. New Camel Filters. New Camel Filters, the one born rich. New Camel Filters. This is the one born rich. Rich in taste. With that big camel head start on flavor. Now that great camel heritage of real taste comes to you in a great new filter cigarette. No other can compare in flavor. No other can compare in quality to new camel filters. This is the one you'll want to try. Try camel filters, the one Come to bat with the top of the order, Aparicio, Kurt Bleffrey, and Frank Robinson in that order against a new Dodger hurler, Brewer. Reagan in relief, Karanowski went two-thirds of an inning without a base hit. He did walk the batter, did not allow a run, and now gives away to Brewer. Jim Brewer warmed yesterday, but did not see service in the opening game.
foul. Hit out of play behind the plate. One ball, one strike to Kurt Leppery. Back here's a check swing and apparently a foul tip. Hold on a minute. It nicked the bat of Leffery in the dirt at the plate and the count of ball and two strikes. Well, Leffery started a swing and managed to stop it and uh, turned the body and took the pitch inside for a ball. Two and two is the count. and throws. Low and away. Full count to Leffrey. One out, none on. Top of the ninth inning. Baltimore six, Dodgers nothing. And the full count. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. Leffrey goes down. Two away on the top of the ninth inning. And here now comes Frank Robinson, who's been to the plate four times this afternoon and reached base three times. Twice by the walk, once with a booming triple in the alley in right center. He has scored two of the Orioles' six runs, is Frank. Brewer's first offering to Frank. Missed outside a low ball one. Shortstop Wills. He gloves it. The throw on the first is in time to get Frank Robinson, and the Orioles are three up and three down on the top of the ninth inning at the end of eight and one half. The score Baltimore six, Los Angeles nothing. Hi, I'm from Carling. Wow, do you have a lot of flagpoles? I have a lot of flags, that's why. Flags is my life. I see. Well, uh, did you finish ours? Why, sure. That's yours. The red stripe one up there next to the polka dot. Here, I'll bring it down so as you can get a better look. Yeah, now, this wide red stripe here stands for your original Carling Black Label Brewery. And up here, in the corner, these eight little black stars stand for the eight nearby black label breweries you have now. Well, you can't really call that a stripe. I can just see it. That one big white red stripe, all them stars flying high above your brewery. But that's no stripe. It's as wide as the flag. The whole flag is red from top to bottom. If I say it's a stripe, it's a stripe. Well, then you'd have to say our Carling Black Label can is a striped can, even though it's red all over, because... Listen, Sonny, you stick to making the beer, and I'll stick to making the flags. Here's the last half of the ninth inning at the Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. And for the Dodgers, it'll be Ron Fairley to lead off against Baltimore's Jim Palmer, who has blanked the Dodgers through eight, and Oriole pitching has blanked Los Angeles through 14 innings of the first two games of the 1966 Classic. 
Here is Ron Fairley, who walked, fly to center, and struck out in three turns this afternoon.
Here's the payoff. Ball four is inside, and Lefevre reaches with a base on ball. And out of ballpark comes the line. Here is Lou Johnson. The hustling ball player has one of the four Dodger hits this afternoon, a double in the second. Since then, he's fly to center and grounded to third. Powell signing to Jim Palmer that he's not going to hold with a base runner, Lefevre. Has backed off the bag a couple of steps. Palmer ready to go. First pitch to Johnson. Too high on the ball. With that pitch, pitching coach Harry Brickeen of the Orioles comes off the bench and stands up and signs to Aparicio at shortstop, and Louie goes in to join uh, the big fella, Jim Palmer. Mauricio has served in this uh, capacity all year for Baltimore, more or less the captain of the infield, and he's done a magnificent job. Now the one-nothing pitch coming to Lou Johnson. Palmer deals, high inside, two balls, no strikes. pitch coming to Johnson. Palmer throws. Strike is called by Shanak. Chris Alakutis, the umpire at first base. At second base, John Rice. Third base, Mel Steiner. Now the 2-1 offering to Johnson. Palmer throws. Swinging a high fly ball. Hit deep in the alley. Left center field. Bleffery going to the glove side. Waiting. Paul Blair is over there. It's Bleffery, the left fielder, who makes the catch. Rather deep in left field to retire Johnson for the second now in the last half of the ninth inning. And now here is John Roseboro. I'm sure you can hear that bugle in the background, and it's self-explanatory. Pitches high, very high on the ball one. Palmer struggling just a little bit, but in his first World Series game, Jim Palmer has blanked the Dodgers for eight and two-thirds. Space four hits, never more than one in an inning. The pitch, low inside, ball two. Bauer has joined pitching coach Harry Burkeen on the steps of the Oriole dugout, watching Palmer very carefully. His 2-0 pitch is a ball three inside. And now Echebaron trots the ball back to the mound. runner at first, Lefevre. A count of three balls and no strikes to John Roseboro, who has popped a short fly to center and singled the right field. Palmer is ready to pitch. Right down the groove and the strike is called, and Roseboro was naturally taking all the way. Now the 3-1 pitch. 
cameras ready. Here it is. High fly ball. Hit out of the shallow center. Backpedaling to shortstop. Aparicio calling for it. Aparicio waiting. He's got it. And that's it. Jim Palmer has become the youngest pitcher to pitch a shutout in World Series history. The youngest pitcher to pitch a shutout in World Series history here in the ninth inning. The totals for the Dodgers. No runs, no hits, no, no errors, and one man left on. And that's it. In game number two of the 1966 World Series, the Baltimore Orioles have defeated the Los Angeles Dodgers 6 to nothing. And, Bob, I sure love to watch those birds work around that infield. I got an idea, Chuck. You're trying to tell me something. Well, they're a lot like uh, Gillette Foamy. Oh, I knew it. I mean, uh, uh, I mean, work a little foamy around your beard, and good things happen every time you shave. Take smooth shaving comfort of Foamy Trademark. That's because that rich, creamy, foamy lather keeps your beard soft and moist all through your shave. Nobody makes a lather like Foamy. So moist, so rich, so creamy. Nobody makes a lather like Gillette. I think you got it. I think I'll get it. Pull me by Gillette. But don't stop there. Remember the right guard. It's the runaway favorite with men and families everywhere. As they say, Gillette right guard is the perfect personal deodorant for everybody. Nothing touches you but the spray itself. Two seconds gives 24-hour protection. And that famous right guard protection lasts far longer than 24 hours with regular use. Right? Right you are, Chuck Thompson. Everybody out for Gillette right guard. So effective, it's the world's best-selling deodorant. I'd like to remind you, this broadcast was authorized in the broadcast rights granted by the Commissioner of Baseball solely for the entertainment of our listening audience. Any publication, rebroadcast, or the other use of the description and accounts of this game without the express consent of the Commissioner of Baseball is prohibited. Now, Chuck Thompson and I will be back out here for a very brief little get-together with you on a summary of this ball game, and we'll be out, as we say, right after this word from Joe Garagiola. This is Joe Garagiola. Your Chrysler Plymouth dealer has a free gift for you. It's called the Joe Garagiola World Series Fun and Facts Scorebook. There are some facts in it, but the emphasis is on fun. You can find out who hit the most doubles in a World Series game, but you can also find out the kind of things that fascinate a guy like me. For instance, well, for instance, who was the pennant-winning pitcher who told the press on the eve of the World Series the other team will win it? Or, for instance, how a simple, innocent question can get a catcher thrown out of a ball game. There are score sheets in the book, too, for those who know how to keep score. And for those who don't, there's a simple, really simple explanation of how to score. Stop in at your Chrysler Plymouth dealer today and pick up your free copy of the Joe Garagiola World Series Scorebook. It's all part of customer care and exclusive at your Chrysler Plymouth dealer, which means he cares as much about you as he does about your car. Well, Chuck Thompson, as you said, young Palmer now becomes the youngest pitcher to ever shut out a team in the World Series competition. He's just a year and nine days away from his number on his back, which is 22, because he's not 21 yet. He won't get there till the 15th of October. The boy pitched a magnificent ball game, and uh, as alluded to before, the supposedly underrated Baltimore pitching staff 
has thrown nothing but goose eggs at the Dodgers in the first two games. For two months of the past American League campaign, the Dodgers were the finest, or rather the Orioles, were the finest-looking baseball club American League baseball men had seen for many years. It is Hank Bowers' wish and the Orioles' wish that they can prove that again here in this World Series. They certainly performed in great fashion today with a 6 nothing shutout. The totals read for Baltimore, six runs, eight hits, no errors, six men left. For the Dodgers, no runs, four base hits, six errors, tying a World Series record, seven men left on. The Dodgers will come into Baltimore's Memorial Stadium looking for their first run after being shut out for 15 consecutive innings. Yes, and the Dodgers supposedly impenetrable infield is the one that uh, didn't hurt them so much today as their outfield. And poor Willie Davis from making three errors in one inning tied a record that he, uh, set a record that he wishes that he didn't have to uh, ever look at again. There's no question about that. And the Dodgers, as Chuck told you, in Baltimore will be looking for their very first run after being shut out. And Palmer, the youngest pitcher, that's a record. Willie Davis sets a record for three errors in one inning. And, uh, that's as many as they scored all in one seven-game World Series. And now here's young Palmer, the youngest pitcher ever to pitch a shutout. Wade Hoyt of the Yankees did it in 1921. So, We'll just be pulling out of here now. We want to say thanks to our NBC engineer, Bob Jensen, and our NBC producer, Hal Ashby, and a deep bow, too, from Chuck and me to Jimmy Simpson of NBC for his invaluable aid. This will wrap up the second game of the 1966 World Series. Be with us again on Saturday, October the 8th, 12.45 Eastern Daylight Savings Time for the third game of the World Series, when your host again will be... Chrysler Corporation, makers of Plymouth, Dodge, Chrysler, Imperial and Dodge trucks. Gillette Foamy, so moist, so rich, so creamy. Camel Filters, the filter cigarette that was born rich. And Carling Black Label. Why not enjoy one right now? The final score again, here in the second game of the series... Baltimore 6, the Los Angeles Dodgers nothing. Speaking now for Chuck Thompson, this is Bob Prince saying thanks for being with us. This has been an NBC Radio Network production. This is the NBC Radio Network.